This is Church Alive's Teaching of the Week by Pastor Gene Amoson. For additional teachings or information about the church, go to churchalive.net. We're continuing our series today. We're actually wrapping the series up that we've been calling Run With It. And if you will, go ahead and jump to Acts 15 in your Bible. Go ahead and turn there. But yeah, we, we've been in this series for the last few weeks, and we're talking about the vision of Church Alive. And as I've mentioned to you, it's very important that every church have a vision, right? We've got to have a direction that we're heading. And so with that, we talked about the amazing love of God two weeks ago, the fact that he loves us, 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. And he did so much for us on the cross. He took our sins, and it was because he loved us. While we were yet sinners, Romans 5, 8, Christ died for us. Died for some messed up people. He loved us. And we talked about how we should love others. We're actually commanded in the word of God to love others, correct? And so then last week, we kind of stepped to, to part two of our vision right over here with, with Grow. And we talked about how spiritually we want to grow. We want to just grow with him. We want to know more about him. We want to grow closer to him. But in addition to that, whenever you look at the New Testament church, you see that they grew together in their relationships with each other. And we also want to grow in our relationship with our community as well, right? We don't just need to look like a church that's just right here by ourselves. Let me go ahead and just use the word. We don't need to look cult-like, right? Like we got to get out of these walls. we we got to make a difference in our community. And then today we're going to wrap it up with the third part of our vision, which is lead. Everybody say lead. lead. And so what we want to do is just go to Acts 15 today. And, and I want to just share with you a, kind of a story in Acts 15 that I absolutely love. I don't think I've ever taught on this before. But whenever Jesus ascended, shortly thereafter, Pentecost took place and uh, the Holy Spirit came down and the world's never been the same again. Amen? Amen. So, some awesome stuff took place. And Acts tells us about the New Testament church. Uh, we see in Acts, and by the way, if you've not read Acts, go read Acts. Amen? Uh, but we see in Acts that there were salvations, there were signs, there were wonders, there were miracles. There were just all kind of great things happening. We see that the church was really in unity. There was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that took place. And whenever you just progress through Acts, you're going to read about a guy by the name of Saul. Now, most of you probably know Saul is Paul that we read about in the Bible, who authored much of the New Testament. But Saul was actually a Pharisee, and his main objective in life as a Pharisee was to persecute Christians. He, he had a good day whenever he got to give Christians grief. That's the kind of guy that Saul was. As a matter of fact, Saul was actually present whenever Stephen was stoned to death for his faith, and Saul actually held the garments for everyone who was stoning Stephen, but, you know, so they could get a really good throw. What a guy, right? And so you've got Saul, who's persecuting Christians, and then there's just this day where he has an encounter with God like never before. As a matter of fact, he gets knocked off of his donkey, he's blinded, and he hears the voice of Jesus. That's an encounter with God. That's an encounter with God. And he actually has a conversation with Jesus, and Jesus is asking him, why are you persecuting my people? And then he's given instructions, you need to go here, and then there's going to be a guy who meets you, and sure enough, everything worked out. 
He ended up receiving his sight back. He was turned on for the Lord. His life was never the same again because of an encounter with God. I just want you to know, one encounter with God, one touch with God can change everything no matter who you are. Amen? I mean, this guy did an absolute 180 after he had an encounter with the Lord. And over time, his name actually was changed from Saul to Paul. Now, in case you didn't know, the name Saul actually means sought after. The name Paul actually means small. So this name, cha name change is actually descriptive of what took place in his life. You know, in his life, uh, he kind of saw himself as great, but he had to go to a place of seeing himself as great to be content to be insignificant. How many of you know that's the place we all need to be? I mean, we just got to let pride go. We've got to realize that without Jesus, we are nothing. Come on now. We're nothing without him, and it's a place we all need to get to. So whenever you look in the New Testament, of course, Paul, you know, was the author of much of the New Testament. You'll see multiple people that are associated with him that maybe did ministry with him or maybe were spiritual sons of his. And, and some of those could be like Barnabas, um, Apollos, maybe Silas. Uh, a spiritual son of his could be Timothy. And so you see all these different people in the New Testament that he was affiliated with. But there's one that kind of stands out from time to time. And we're going to read about him in Acts real quick. We're going to go to Acts 15, starting in verse 36. And we're going to read about Paul and Barnabas. It says, after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas then took John Mark with him and sailed to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled throughout Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches there. So here in this piece of scripture, you see that Paul and Barnabas, they had done some ministry work together. They're like, let's get back on the road and let's see how the churches are doing that we visited earlier. And Barnabas says, let's take John Mark with me. By the way, John Mark was his nephew. And Paul said, no, he's not going. That would hurt your feelings if you were John Mark, wouldn't it? We see back in chapter 12, if you were to back it up a few chapters, and you don't have to go there, that John Mark started working with Paul and Barnabas. His mother was named Mary, and Mary was Barnabas' sister. But John Mark started traveling with these two and kind of working as an assistant, just there to help them as they traveled. Now, between chapters like 12 and 15, you're going to see that Paul and Barnabas met some resistance. And there were people who were obviously not happy with the gospel that they were sharing. As we know, these folks dealt with a lot of that, right? We know that the early church dealt with a whole lot of resistance. So most people would say that John Mark probably deserted them because of the resistance. He honestly just kind of chickened out and just went right back to the house because of all the resistance that they were getting. I want to ask you a question, though. In your life, have you ever had somebody that made a significant difference in it? I want you to think just for a minute. Uh, maybe they were the person that led you to the Lord. Maybe they were a teacher who believed in you and just always pushed you a little bit and you're grateful now. Uh, 
Maybe it was someone that was a bit of a, a father or a mother to you, like a mother figure or a father figure. Maybe they encouraged you or inspired you to do what you thought was impossible at some point. Maybe they're just the person that never gave up on you when everybody else did. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? But they encouraged you. They, they made a difference. How many of y'all got somebody in your life that you're thinking of right now? Amen. Now, as you think of them, you just smile naturally because they meant a lot, right? Because they meant a lot to you. Uh, they hold a special place in your heart. Can I go ahead and just tell you real quick, if you've got somebody like that in your life, you need to make sure that they know they know how they affected your life in a positive way. Uh, just a quick story, and I don't, I don't want to bore you with this. There's a lady by the name of Barbara Hamilton who is the uh, executive assistant for the president of William Carey University. Uh, she actually will be retiring in December. She's tried to retire multiple times. She's in her 80s, and they won't let her. Um, and the reason is, is Dr. King, who just retired literally a week or two ago, Tommy King, um, she's been with him for a long time, and uh, so actually their new president just started, and they said, Miss Hamilton, we need you to help get him kind of in order, you know, to, to get him started on the right foot. And so I met Miss Hamilton back in 99. I was at Jones Junior College, go Bobcats, and she was teaching there. She was my English teacher. And in 97, I was not into college whatsoever. I was there because my mom wanted me to be there. Anybody ever been there before? You did something because mom expected you. And actually, all my cousins were in junior college or college, and I felt like, well, they're there, so I should be there as well. And so I went, and I hated it. And I remember having a conversation with, with Miss Hamilton one time in her office, and she just spoke into my life. Uh, her, her husband was a Southern Baptist pastor who actually died about a year after I got out of Jones. But she's just an incredible lady. In fact, they've been kind of highlighting her in their magazine that they put out, I think quarterly, and on their website and stuff as well because she's just done so much for the university. But I remember she spoke into my life. And I can honestly say it was that lady who kept me in college. And, you know, I finished there, went to Southern, finished there, actually went to Cary, did my master's. And, and I think had it not been that, whatever it was, 20-minute encounter with Miss Hamilton, you know, my life could have look, looked a little bit different those following years. But the other day, uh, I read the article that they wrote about her in their magazine and showed Regina said, this is the lady uh, that, that I've told you about a couple of times. And so I just called the main number at William Carey and I just asked for her and she picked up. And um, I was on 49 and we talked for about 30 minutes. And I said, you may not remember me. She said, Gene, I do. She said, I don't remember the conversation. And I was like, you don't know what that conversation meant, you know? And has she and I talked a whole lot since then? Not really. We've talked one other time besides the other day since 1997. But that one conversation was a game changer for me. And, and I wanted to make sure before she left Carrie and I wouldn't know how to get in touch with her, I wanted to make sure she knew what she meant to me, right? We always need to make sure that we do that. Y'all have heard the, the statement, pay it forward. Have y'all heard that before? And it's basically like whenever you receive kindness from somebody, you know, your response is to give kindness to someone else. And we all need to be people that pay it forward. If somebody's sown into your life, you need to sow into someone else's life, right? We don't just exchange kindness, and that's fine, but we need to pay it forward as well. But you may have had somebody like that in your life. And good old John Mark in Acts 15, he had one of those people in his life as well. Whenever Barnabas could have said, you know what, Paul, you're right. 
let's just go and we'll leave John Mark here. Whenever Barnabas could have said that, he didn't. Now, something you might not know is, is Barnabas has a fantastic name. I realize probably we don't have any Barnabases in here. It's not very popular these days. But Barnabas' name means son of encouragement or comfort. Come on, an encourager. How many of us need encouragement every day? I don't know about you. I need encouragement every day. But everybody needs encouragement. And John Mark probably felt terrible after Paul singled him out and said, we're not going on this trip if he's going on this trip. He had to feel terrible. I mean, he already felt bad because he had abandoned them. He was probably trying to redeem himself. But then he gets called out and honestly shot down by the Apostle Paul of all people. I'm not sure that I really agree with Paul in this situation. I like how you're shaking your head. You don't either. Good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Because if I got struck by lightning, I wanted somebody else to get struck by lightning too. <laughs> Got to be honest, I didn't want to be the only one, you know. But in this situation, John Mark felt terrible, I'm sure. And Paul just kind of shot him down. But Barnabas saw a value. Somebody say value. He saw a value in John Mark. And he saw a future in John Mark. And he said, you know what, John Mark? Paul can go do his thing, but we're going to go do our thing. We're going to go do ministry together. Can you imagine how that made John Mark feel? Not only did he say, listen, Paul, I'm going to stick with him, but he said, look, we're not just going to stay at the house. We're going to go do the Lord's work together. Come on. There was a value that he saw in John Mark, and it probably meant the world to him that he was willing to take him along. So I've got three fast points for you today that we're going to kind of roll through. The first one is this, is we're to offer people the same grace that Jesus offered us. The same grace we receive from Jesus, we need to be offering that to other people as well. Amen? We've all made mistakes. We've had our John Mark moments before. Everybody, you had yours? I know mine. I want you to know if you feel like John Mark, like you've messed up, like maybe you've abandoned the place that you were supposed to be, maybe you're not exactly where you're supposed to be, you've goofed up, I want you to know God still sees you, God still loves you, God still wants to use you as well. He's got a plan for you. The fact that you got a little off track did not abort his plan for your life. And the truth is he's waiting on you and you can still get back on track, but he's waiting on you to get back on track. Come on now. We got to be Barnabases. Amen. We got to be people that encourage others. Whenever somebody's down and out, we have the opportunity to speak life into them and to show them God's love. Amen. I mean, we can help bring the potential out of somebody by just encouraging them. I mean, there's a lot of people that they've not stepped out because they've not been encouraged to do so. They've not been stretched a little bit. I just wanted to quit whenever Miss Hamilton spoke into my life. That's the place I was at. I was just going to walk over to the administration building and say, I'm out. But she encouraged me. We need to encourage others. The second thing is this, is we need to invest in people because others have invested in us. How many of you have been invested to before? Anybody? Pay it forward. We got to invest in others as well. And we see this in 1 Peter 4.10 where it says, each of you, each of you, that's every one of us, should use whatever gift you have received to what? Serve others. To serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various form. As stewards of God's grace We've received gifts, of course, and the greatest gift would be salvation, right? One translation, actually, of this scripture says we've received grace gifts. We know that it's by grace that we're saved. 
But we need to be good stewards of his grace and show that to others as well. In John 15, verse 8 says, whenever you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples. Whenever you produce much fruit, you are my disciples. Now, I want you to know this. It says that it brings great glory to the Father whenever we do this. And bearing fruit, again, shows that we're his disciples. But bearing fruit, y'all, I want you to know, isn't only winning people to Christ. You don't just bear fruit whenever somebody prays the sinner's prayer. Listen to me. It's more than that. It's totally more than that. Anytime you resemble Jesus, you're bearing fruit. Anytime. So, for instance, whenever you're showing somebody love, you're bearing fruit. Whenever you're showing somebody compassion or mercy, you're bearing fruit. Whenever you pray for someone, you're bearing fruit. Whenever you encourage someone, you're bearing fruit. Why? Because you're looking just like Jesus while you're doing that, and people are changed. People are changed whenever you even do simple things like that. Whenever you're a peacemaker, you're bearing fruit. These are all attributes of Jesus. In verse 9 there of chapter 15, it says, I have loved you even as my Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Listen, whenever we show people his love, whenever we show people mercy, whenever we show people compassion, you know, like, for instance, the fruit of the Spirit, whenever we show people those things, those attributes of Jesus, I want you to know we're going to be filled with his joy. How many of y'all want to be filled with his joy? How many of you right now will say, you know, I could use a little more joy in my life? Anybody? But I think we could all agree that we need more joy in our life. And once again, whenever we do these things, we're going to be filled with joy and we're going to change people's lives. As a result, we're going to be part of the process of changing people's lives. But walking with the Lord and having his joy, I want you to understand this as well, will fill any void you have in your life. The word says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So many times we look at voids in our life and we feel like they're weaknesses. Whenever you've got the joy of the Lord in your life, it fills the void and you're strengthened. Come on now. You're strengthened. If you feel like you've got a void in your life, I I want you to understand stuff will never fill it. Certain jewelry will never fill it. A certain car or a house in a certain neighborhood will never fill it. Sorry to go ahead and hurt your feelings. If you just think that a spouse is going to fill it, they're not going to fill it either. Only the Lord can fill any void that you've got inside of your life. His joy can do that. There's a great quote that I want you to throw up on the screen, James. Uh, It says, the happiest people on earth are those who do something that impact the lives of others for the good. Because his joy is going to fill you up. Amen? His joy is going to fill you up. The third point I want you to get today is this, is God wants to use me. God wants to use all of us to change lives. Can we say that me together? God wants to use me. Beautiful. (laughs) Beautiful. He wants to use you to change lives. So you've got Barnabas, who was ultimately part of changing John Mark's life. Amen? 
because of him, John Mark ended up doing a great work. And he started out a little rough. Yeah, he was known as the chicken. He was known as the one who abandoned Paul and his uncle Barnabas. But God ended up doing great things using John Mark. As a matter of fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul actually says that John Mark has been a tremendous help to him in ministry. So not only did John Mark end up doing great things, but there was obviously a reconciliation that took place between Paul and John Mark. But let's think about this just for a minute. Would it have happened, maybe, maybe not, had Barnabas not stuck with John Mark? Would it have happened if the encourager would not have encouraged? Let's think about it just for a minute. Paul says, he's not going with me. Barnabas says, all right, John Mark, just go back to the house. John Mark may have just kind of gave up at that point as far as ministry goes. I want to go ahead and tell you, there's a lot of people that are called to do ministry that need to be encouraged, that are sitting at the house, that are not using the gifts that God initially wanted them to use. Amen? We need to encourage people. But think about that. What would have really happened had Barnabas not encouraged John Mark and, and stuck with John Mark? Just for a minute, I want you to think about something. Let's look at the four Gospels. Let's just think about those four Gospels. Now, we know that whenever we look at the Gospels, some were written by disciples. So we can take Matthew, for instance, who was a disciple of Jesus, one of the twelve, who's a tax collector, had an encounter with Jesus like never before, and he knew that Jesus was the real deal. And so he wrote the book of Matthew. We can look at John. Love John. The love of Jesus is shown in John, of course. John had an encounter with Jesus, and he wrote the book of John, of course. You can look at Luke, the physician, who, by the way, also wrote Acts, in case you didn't know that. Acts is almost like the sequel of Luke. But Luke wrote... Uh, obviously his gospel, he was a physician, but then there's this guy by the name of Mark. Mark was not a disciple of Jesus. Mark was the chicken. John, Mark, and Mark, same person. So the very one who almost was left at the house, the very one who chickened out at some point, who could have been done with ministry altogether, one man changed his life. Barnabas spoke into his life. Barnabas encouraged him. Barnabas said, we're going to do ministry together. He saw a value in him, and he brought the best out of John Mark. And John Mark, or Mark, was one of the four who has a gospel written in the New Testament. How amazing is that? It's good stuff, isn't it? The fact that God used somebody who started off just not the best, but used him to actually pin one of the Gospels. If you really think about it, not only did he just write one of the Gospels, he wrote part of the greatest selling book of all time. And, and actually, whenever you look at Mark and you read Mark, every page just shows that mercy triumphs. Think about that just for a minute. Mercy triumphs because he was shown mercy. 
We see that constantly in his gospel. It's just full of mercy. 1 Peter 5.13 shows us that John Mark was also a spiritual son of Peter's. And that's actually, it's believed that all the texts for his gospel basically came from Peter, telling him about what took place. I think sometimes we may get to the place to where we're not exactly being Barnabases. Y'all ever been there because maybe you're too busy? Maybe you don't want to get involved in somebody's situation? Can anybody get real with me or am I the only one that's going to raise that hand today? And I think a lot of times we forfeit the opportunity of being able to be part of a miracle in somebody's life by being a little lazy, by not wanting to get into their situation because it might take some time. But y'all, I want you to know God wants you to be a Barnabas. God wants you to be a part of somebody's life of truly bringing the greatness out of them. Great things took place in John Mark's life because of one person. And you can be that one person who leads someone else to the place that God has for them. In Mark 16, 15, it says, And then he told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. And so what he was saying here is, is go and be a person that makes a difference in the life of somebody else. Go and be a person that leads someone to the destination I have for them. Go and be someone who's experienced my love. Go and be someone who has grown spiritually and in relationships and now lead that person into what you yourself have experienced. And that's what God's calling this church to do. Amen? That's what he's calling us to do in our mission. Once again, to love, to grow, to lead. It's a cycle. We love because he first loved us. We love him. We love others because we're told to love others. We grow spiritually. We grow in our relationship with our church family, with our community, with other believers. And then we, we take everything that we've experienced and then we impart that into the life of somebody else. It's his plan for us. It's his plan for, for our life. And if we're to be honest, it's his plan for every believer as well that we do the exact same thing, that we do what he said in Mark 6.15, that we go. Somebody say go. That we go and that we make a difference. Whenever we talk about lead with our vision, it simply means that we're to help others experience the same love, the same growth that we've experienced ourselves. There's people out there that need you. I want you to understand that today. There's people out there that that are looking for somebody to encourage them. They feel, as my dad used to say, lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut. In case you're not from the country, that's low. But God wants to use us all to lead someone to the place that he has for them. Amen? If you will, will you stand with me today? Father, right now I just speak over this body, Father. Lord, just a desire to see others come to know you. But Father, also that, Lord, just the spirit of Barnabas. Come on. Come on, just lift your hands right now. Lord, that that same encouragement that we saw, Lord, with Barnabas. God, that we all just have that. Lord, that it just rests on our lives. And God, that we go and, Lord, we leave this place today. And God, there's, there's folks in here that need encouragement too. But Father, we just speak into lives. 
Lord, we encourage people. We, we let them know how much you love them. Lord, we let them know that, that you've got a plan for their life because, God, we know you've got a plan for every life here. Lord, every life, Lord, on earth, we know that your desire is that all come to repentance, Father. And so, Lord, we just speak that, Father, we leave here, God, and we are encouragers. Lord, we're comforters in Jesus' name. God, we thank you for the vision you've given this house. Lord, I speak right now that, Father, we are just going to love people like never before, God, as a church family. Lord, the broken. Father, the hurting. Lord, those who think that they have it all together, God, but Lord, they still need love. God, that we're going to grow together as a church family. Lord, we're going to grow in you spiritually. God, I speak right now new levels of you in Jesus' name over this house. Lord, I even speak, and I just prophesy right now, God, as everyone in this house gets into their word, Lord, they're just going to have deeper revelation right now, God, and they're just going to know you in a way, Lord, that they thought was never possible, God, just the Holy Spirit operating through them, and Lord, just revealing things to them, Father. And Lord, once again, that we all lead as well, Lord, and just show others, God, what you've done in our lives, and God, we're part of doing that in theirs as well. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. If you agree, can you say amen? Thank you again for listening to Church Alive's Teaching of the Week with Pastor Gene Amoson. We invite you to join us for our Sunday morning worship service every Sunday at 10 o'clock or learn more at churchalive.net.